literally means good news, good story, good telling. And um, so I kind of put my own definition. This is not uh, in a catechism yet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, This is not from a catechism, so you'll probably know by misspellings or bad punctuation, but just kind of my uh, understanding of the gospel from Scripture, and hopefully it'll help some of you maybe understand better. The good news of the gospel, the good news is that man can have the forgiveness of sin and the gift of Jesus' righteousness. That's another thing that I've really picked up on in the last 10, 15 years is not only am I forgiven of my sin, but I literally have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's amazing to me. Uh, but we can have the forgiveness of sin and G- the gift of Jesus' righteousness credited to our account. This provides restoration of the relationship between God and man and results in good works and eternal life in heaven. It's provided by the eternal sovereign love of God through the sinless life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his substitutionary death and resurrection. It's implemented and carried out by the Spirit of God at work in our lives. It's good news for every day of our lives throughout eternity. So that's in a nutshell uh, what the good news is. But really, the good news isn't really good news unless there's bad news. And we don't really understand the, the blessing of the good news unless we really understand the bad news of where we are. For instance... A a glass of water is really only good news if you're really thirsty. Otherwise, a glass of water just kind of can be ignored sitting on the table or in the kitchen. Uh, Motrin is really only good news if you have pain. We have Motrin that sits in the cabinet for days and days and weeks, and we don't use it because we don't have pain. So it really doesn't matter that it's there. But as soon as we have pain, we reach for that because we have bad news. AC is only good news if it's hot. Off is only good news if there's a bazillion mosquitoes. And on and on we can go. So what is the bad news? What is the bad news that makes the gospel the really, really, really good news? And so we look to our passage this morning at the first part of it, Ephesians chapter 2. And you can follow along and I'll read. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's the bad news in a nutshell. Because of our uh, father Adam, who sinned and passed that sin down through our bloodline, we all are born in sin. And so because of that, we are dead in sin as soon as we are born. Uh, we follow the course of this world. Uh, we, we follow Satan's wishes for our lives. And we all um, have our own twisted way, if, if you will, of sinning. Uh, Isaiah 53 tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one his own way. So not only are we generally sinners and we have a a sin nature, but we sin. And each of us, and it's nothing that we want to talk about, nothing that we want to openly and publicly confess to, and thankfully we don't have to openly and publicly confess or confess to a priest or anything like that, but we all have our own twisted way of sinning. 
And those sins uh, start in our minds, and as the, as the passage tells us, it's the outworking of our, of our twisted flesh. And we all have sinned, the Bible tells us. We've all come short of God's perfection and what he demands. He says, be holy, for I am holy. Um, and so there's no, there's no way that we can have that fellowship, that relationship with God. We're children of unimaginable wrath. And sometimes that's hard for us to, to believe because we are, our tendency, my tendency, is to always think, well, I'm really not that bad. Look at that person over there. Look at that person I heard about on the news. Or, you know, there's always somebody. Now, that person, they may be deserving of unimaginable wrath. They may be deserving of hell. But I don't know about me. I don't know about my kids. I don't know about my family. I don't, we're not really that bad. That's our tendency to think that way. And so we don't really understand how bad the bad news is. And therefore, we don't understand how good the good news is. And I would go further to say we don't understand how deep and how wonderful the love of God is to us. And that's why I think Paul prays that, uh, that, the, that we would understand the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of God. And I pray that regularly for my family because I feel like the more they understand the, the breadth and the depth and the height and all of that, and they comprehend it, the more they're going to love God because we love him because he first loved us. And the more we understand the bad news, then we understand the good news, and the more we understand that love that, that uh, spurred on the, the gospel and spurred on Jesus Christ to die for us, and the more we understand that, the more we love God, and the more that relationship with God flourishes and we enjoy it. And the good news becomes literally really good news. So the bad news is that there's nothing we can do. Because we were born in sin, because we sin, because we follow the lust of our flesh and we do the, the things that our mind tells us to do as sinners, we cannot be good enough. We can never clean up enough. We can't buy our freedom somehow. Uh, we sometimes get the idea that once we become a Christian that now we have to somehow kind of still work our way to heaven. We still have to please God. And if we didn't have our devotions this morning, or if we didn't, you know, talk to the person that we saw um, about the gospel, then, then God's mad at us. And, and, uh, and we, we've fallen somehow and that God doesn't like us as much. And the, the, the flip side of that is true, that if we, um, if we do a lot of good things as a Christian, we think God likes us more. And he loves us more. But the truth is we can't do anything to buy our freedom. We can't do anything to make us good enough for God. Uh, hope, we can't hope that our sin is hidden. And we all hope that our sin is hidden. But in, in, it's not hidden from God. Uh, we can't hope that um, we can clean up our heart. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that our heart is desperately wicked. We can't clean it. Jesus said we can clean up the outside... You can, you can put a nice tombstone out there and, you know, whitewashed sepulcher, Jesus refers to, and you can clean the outside of the cup and make it, kind of dress it up, but inside we know that there's filth and it's dirty and there's dead bones and there's a dead heart without Christ. And there's really nothing we can do to clean that up. And some of us tried for years to clean that up and we just kept coming back to a different sin or a new sin or we just realized by the grace of God that we couldn't clean it up. We couldn't change it. 
Um, the bad news is bad. There's more because we, we can't wait for the judge to die. You know, we can't wait for the judge to be like us all of a sudden and to sin. No, God is eternally holy. He's eternally righteous. And he's not going to sin. He's not going to go away. He's not going to change. He's not going to somehow lift the penalty or, uh, you know, magically do that without the acceptance of his son as our sacrifice. Uh, we can't wait for a new judge. There's nothing. There's no hope. That's the bad news. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope without the gospel. There's no hope without Jesus Christ. There's no hope in cleaning up our act. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for your wife. There's no hope for your kids. There's no hope for your mom and dad. There's no hope. The hope we have is found in Christ. And that's why, as Jerry prayed this morning, we pray for those that don't know Christ yet because there's no hope without the good news of the gospel. Um, there's no hope. It's like a, a semi coming head on. There might be a little bit of hope that he's going to twist or turn, but without Christ, there's no hope. There might be more hope facing that than there would be dying without Christ. It's like being in the last moments of someone's life. There might be hope there that they, they might somehow turn a corner and they might get better, but without Christ and without the gospel, our sin has left us in a position where there's no hope. And the very sin that perhaps if you sit here this morning and you aren't a believer or you're listening online and you aren't a believer, the very sins that, that are coming to your mind right now and you hope no one ever finds out and you're embarrassed about and you, um, you, know, and you just feel a deep conviction of sin and you think there's no hope. I've tried to clean it up. I've tried to change. I've tried to do better. There's no hope. Well, that's the bad news. The bad news is there's slavery to sin. There's separation from God in hell. So it's not just this life and then you die and wow, finally I'm out of it. No, God punishes sin. God's just wrath is on our sin and on us and we spend eternity in hell without Christ, without the good news of the gospel. That's bad news, folks. And there's no hope for any difference. The bad news is it causes the loss of our family. It causes shame in our lives. There's just no hope, and that's bad news. But God, right? But God. The gospel is seen all through Scripture with that little phrase, but God. Here's a few examples. You remember the story of Joseph. Um, Joseph said to his brothers who sold him into slavery and all the things that happened to Joseph, he said, but as for you, talking to his brothers, you meant this against me for evil, but God meant it for good. David in Samuel, First uh, Samuel said, David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph and Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. My flesh, Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When his disciples, this is the story where Jesus, uh, the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asked him, uh, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And it's always interesting to me that Jesus didn't just say, well, you know, just, uh, just believe on me and, and you'll go to heaven. You'll have eternal life. No, he, he took him to his sin. He took him to the bad news first. 
and he gave him the Ten Commandments. And the rich young ruler kind of proudly said, hey, I've done all that already, so I, I don't really need this good news because there's no bad news. I've, I've kept all these things since I was a little kid. And Jesus said, well, then go sell all the things that you have and give it to the poor. Now, that sounds like a work. Sounds like Jesus is telling him to do a work there. But Jesus was pointing out the sin. Jesus was pointing out the bad news because this guy had a problem with greed. This guy had a problem with idols. And so Jesus was pointing out by suggesting that he was pointing out the bad news and helping him realize he needed the good news of the gospel. So directly after that, after the disciples heard that and he saw, saw the guy go away sorrowfully, it says, it says, when the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed saying, who then can be saved? I mean, if this rich young ruler, if this guy who's kept all this from his youth up and, and, and now you're asking him to go do this and he's not willing to, who can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men, this is impossible. And it is. That's why it's bad news. But with the Lord, but God, with him, all things are possible. And then in Acts 13, they took him down from the tree this is uh, one of the sermons from the apostles. Took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him up from the dead. Romans 5, 7. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even die, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God. That's the hope of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men, not uh, after the flesh, not many mighty, uh, not many noble are called, but God chose, hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that? But God. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And then in our passage from this morning in, in um, Ephesians chapter 2, if you look down to verse 4 there, after you read the bad news, it goes right into the good news, and it starts with that. But God, we were dead in trespasses and sins, following after the lust of our flesh and the lust of our minds, <clears throat> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's good news. We were dead, but God. I want to read it this way. I want you to think, of, think with me. Um, well, I, let me finish this first. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I want you to read it this way with me and put your own personal pronoun in there. 
but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved me. But he loved me. Put your own name in there. Even when I was dead in my trespasses, my following the twisted ways of my mind and my heart, he made me alive together with Christ. By grace, I have been saved. And he raised me up with him and seated me with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show me the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace I have been saved through faith. And this not of my own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that I may not boast. And I would. I put in there. Because I would. For I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. That's good news, folks. That's good news. And, and it's good news when you know the bad news. So what is the good news? How do we put it into just a quick um, nutshell, if we can? And uh, I, I think there's seven words that kind of describe that. Number one is love. The gospel, the good news, is that God loved us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 says he loved us with an everlasting love. Isaiah 53.10 says that it pleased God to crush him. It pleased God to crush Jesus Christ, his son, his only begotten son. It pleased him to crush him. He loved us so much that it pleased him to crush his son. You fathers in here today, can you, and, and moms, any of us, but what does that even mean? How could we ever be pleased to crush our child because we love someone so much? That's where this good news started. God loved us so much, and he loved us with an everlasting love, which stretches back into eternity, as far into eternity past as it does into eternity future. It's an eternal, everlasting love, and that's what started this good news. The plan, secondly, the plan. The plan of God was revealed, and we won't take time to look at it, but in Ephesians 3, if you want to flip over to that chapter, we see that God had this plan of salvation. It wasn't like a, you know, he created mankind, mankind sinned, it caught God off guard, and he was like, well, you know, he said amongst himself and the Trinity, well, now what are we going to do? You know, we decided to create man after our own image, and man has turned against us, Satan has won the battle here, and man, well, now what are we going to do? No, from eternity past, God had the plan. He knew what was going to happen, and he had a plan that had been agreed upon by the, by the Son, by the Father, by the Spirit. They had agreed upon it, and they knew what the plan was because of their great love for us. And then I think there's the word substitution. Isaiah 53, 6, and I mentioned it earlier, but it says, uh, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord hath laid on him Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And it pleased him to do it. It pleased him to do that. It pleased him to crush him and to punish him for us. And then uh, Tony spoke, I think it was uh, on Good Friday, 
um, but the passage in 1 Corinthians 5.21, uh, God hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. There's pardon and there's perfection. I think the last time the Lord allowed me to speak here, I, I spoke on pardon and perfection. And we sometimes, as I said earlier, we focus only on pardon. But folks, we have perfection through Jesus Christ. And it almost sounds sacrilegious to say that and, and unbelievable. But it's, that's the good news. Not only have we been forgiven, but even, and even though we still have a sinful nature, even though we struggle with our sin, like Paul said in, in Romans 7, the things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. The things that I want to do, I don't do those things. He said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death, this body of struggle? And we look forward, if you're a true believer here today, you look forward to the delivery of that um, difficulty, that war that goes on inside of us. But Paul goes on to say in, in Romans chapter 8, 1, but I thank God through Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Pardon and perfection. We have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that's the substitution. He took our sin and he lived a righteous life here as the perfect God, perfect man. And he gave to us, his children, his righteous life, his righteousness. And he was punished for our sin. Substitution. So love, the love of God, the plan of God, both from eternity past, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And then we go on to, I think we go on to, Danny may have to help me out. We even got a new battery for this this morning. Oh, there we go. So we're at gift. The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life. And then reception. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a, it's a turning from our sin. It's a turning to God. Saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I need you to change my life. I need you to come in. I need you to save me from this. I need you to make me alive. And those are gifts of God in themselves as we read this morning. That's because of God's grace that we even want to repent or can repent. That we even um, want to and, and can have faith. But it's a receiving of that. And then there's that relationship that's restored so that we can have a relationship with God. And if you sit here today and you say, you know what, I, I don't really know what the big deal is. You know, what, what is a relationship with God? And I mean, what does that even mean? You may not be a believer. But if you are here today and you say, I want a relationship with God, but I know that I can't. I'm not, I'm not right. I'm not holy. I'm not, I can't approach God. Then this is for you. It's for you if you, if you don't have a relationship with God and you don't even know why, this is for you as well. But we pray that God will enlighten your hearts and make you desire that relationship because that's what God wants. He wants that relationship with you. That's what's going to be restored from the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and the relationship was broken. They went in shame and they hid themselves. God came and then he started to reveal the plan way back then of how he was going to restore that relationship through his son, Jesus Christ.
But we have that relationship. That's part of this whole good news. The love of God, the plan of God, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, the, the gift of salvation then, the reception of that, the relationship that that restores between us and God so that we can go to him with our troubles and we can go to him with our, our heartaches and our struggles and the things that we need to ask him to help us with in this life and just enjoy him and have him speak to us through his word and by his spirit. We enjoy that relationship that we have with God. That can be restored through the good news of the gospel. And then there's results. Thankfully, we don't have to, as I, as I alluded to earlier, we don't have to, now that we're Christians, do all these things to keep our salvation or do all these things to impress God or to make him like us more or to make him bless us more. Uh, that's, that's false teaching. God is perfectly pleased with you today because of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean that we can go out and live like we want to? No. And the the thing is, we don't want to go out and live like we want to. If you have a true relationship with God, if if your heart's truly been changed, you don't want to go live in your trespasses and sins anymore. That's what brought you to the place where you accepted the good news and you wanted that change in your life. So when we do struggle and we do fail, like Paul talked about, we're so thankful that we have that righteousness of Christ. But there are going to be results. We will love God more. We will want to be in his word more. We will want to understand him more. We will want to grow in Christ. We'll want to share the gospel with other people. And there's going to be more and more types of results that happen in our life as a result of being alive. So it's not so much that it's like, it's like life with, with, a, with a child, a baby. The baby doesn't have to say, Oh, I have to grow today. Mm, I got to grow today. No, you don't have to do that. Why? It's a result of being alive. The baby grows. The baby desires food. The baby desires rest. The baby desires the things that it needs in order to grow because the baby's alive. And friends, if you're alive in Christ, then you're going to desire those things. You're going to desire that relationship. You're going to desire the things that will help you grow. You're going to desire righteousness. And if you don't desire those things, And you may not desire them as much as you'd like to, but if you don't desire those things and you just, you know, you come to church because you have to or you come to church because it, you know, makes your mom and dad happy or whatever reasons you might come to church because you got friends here. But you don't really have a desire for relationship with God and you don't have a really desire to grow and and you don't have a hunger and thirst after righteousness and a hunger and thirst to know God more. If it doesn't, stir your heart when you sing the songs about God's truth and the gospel, then there may not be life. And you need to seek that. You need to ask God, what's going on? What's the problem? God, show me my sin. Show me the bad news because I want to understand the gospel. I understand the good news. And for those of you here that do understand the bad news, hopefully some of this reminded you today of the bad news and reminded you of God's great love for you and your salvation but there will be results. So as we close, I want to look at just some songs, uh, kind of just a chorus here and there, a verse here and there of, of hymns down through the years that have, that have, where God has given poets and musicians the ability to kind of bring all this into a concise little capsule. And I think this, this will stir your heart as it did mine every time I read through these songs. So 
Let me just read through these. You can look on the screen and read with me as well. But I am his and he is mine. This is Wade Robinson. Loved with everlasting love. Drawn by grace, that love to know. Spirit sent from Christ above. Thou dost witness, it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace from his presence all divine in a love that cannot cease. I am his, he is mine. Oh, great God, I was blinded by my sin, had no ear to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joys. Then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me through the gospel of your son, gave me endless hope and peace. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I have done he groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Before the throne my surety stands, my name is written on his hands. How many times after you've been a believer has, have, has Satan brought up your sin, brought up your, your past, brought up and, and made you feel that you couldn't serve God, made you feel that God didn't love you, made you feel that maybe the gospel wasn't effective with you, I love, I go back to this song, arise my soul, arise, shake off your guilty fears, the bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears, amen. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinless soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Bearing sin and scoffing rude in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a savior. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. This is the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us. Took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. This, the power of the cross. Son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. And finally, the mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought near. Your enemy, you've made your friend. Pouring out the riches of your glorious grace, your mercy and your kindness, no, no end. Now, 
Folks, that's good news. And if I can leave you with something on our last Sunday here, besides our family's love for this church and, and our dear friends here, it's that the gospel is good news. It's good news for every single day of your life and every single day of eternity is, is good news. And it's like a, an ever-expanding, blooming flower that just gets better and better as it, as it blossoms and as we understand it more. And one of the benefits, I think, of getting older is you realize more and more how bad the bad news is and how good the good news is and how much God loves us. So that's the gospel. And my question is, do you need it today? Yes, we all need it. But do you need it for the first time? Are you here today and, and you say, I don't know. I don't have that experience. I don't, I don't desire that relationship like I, like I think I should. And I, and, you know, until recently, I maybe I haven't really cared about my sin. But more and more, I'm seeing the sin that's in my life. And I see the bad news and I don't know the answer. I've tried to clean up. I've tried to be better. I've tried to hide my sin, but I need this. It's here for you. It's a free gift. And any one of us here would be glad to talk to you. Just ask us. We'd be glad to share with you more and answer any questions that you have. Have you forgotten of it? Have you forgotten about God's grace and his goodness to you? Has it been a little while since you've thought about the bad news and, and, and realized the good news and thanked God for it? If so, I encourage you today just to spend some time with the Lord and tell him how much you appreciate his love and that you want to know better his love for you and, and understand it better and enjoy it more and share it with others more. Do you know somebody else who needs the gospel? Share it with them. Ask the Lord for the opportunity and no doubt that God is working in that person's heart already and that's why he's put them on your heart and God's opening a doorway at the right time and the right way but begin to pray, God, help me to share with whoever it is that God's bringing to your mind right now. The gospel is good news. And may Calvary continue to share the gospel and um, be a light in the community here and make a difference uh, for the Lord here. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it doesn't end with the bad news. It doesn't end with our being dead and our trespasses and sin and our continual struggle with um, the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes and the pride of our lives and the uh, twisted ways in, in which we twist what's good and make it bad in our hearts. And thank you that it doesn't end with no hope. It doesn't end with uh, sin and failure and eventually hell. There's good news. Because of your love, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because of your spirit, there's good news. Lord, I pray that each one of us would understand better today and comprehend a little bit better today your love, your sacrifice, your care, your desire for a relationship with us. And Father, I do ask you if there's people here today that don't know you, that are struggling, that are seeking, that are sensing their sin more than ever, I pray, God, that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that they would understand the gospel.